Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 30th of April 2017, entitled Jesus Speaks from the Cross, Part 5, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We've been looking the last few weeks as we've been thinking about Jesus speaking from the cross. And we've been looking at the seven statements that he made while being crucified there on the cross at Calvary. So I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in John chapter 19 and verse 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title, put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, Therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Father, thank you again this evening, Lord, that we have the privilege of having your word before us. Now as we take these next moments, Lord, to look into this passage of Scripture, we pray, Lord, that you would guide us, that you would direct us, that you would speak to hearts, Lord, that which you would have spoken here this evening, that lives can be touched, that hearts can be changed, Lord, that we can hear that which, which you would have us to hear this evening and that we may respond in whatever way is necessary. We will give you all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. As we have been considering these final statements that Jesus Christ made as he hung upon the cross of Calvary, the seven statements which he made while he was still hanging there, and of course, we said as we began looking at this, that as always in all of Jesus's ministry, even here, when, it knew, when he knew that death was approaching, when he knew that he was in 
in the last moments of this life, speaking the last words that he would speak before dying on Calvary, the first thing we recognize is that, as always, he put others first before himself. The first statement that he spoke from the cross we see concerned every sinner's greatest need as it related to forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. With all the humiliation, all the pain, everything that they were putting him through, his first desire was that they might be forgiven for their sin. Secondly, we said it concerned every saint's greatest fear. What's next? What about when this life ends? This related to the future. Jesus spoke as he saw the, or as he, the two thieves hung on either side of him and the one received and the one rejected, the one that asked to be remembered by Jesus. Jesus spoke those words, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And that's the reassuring words that each and every one of us needs to know about our future, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We see thirdly that we said it concerns every man's possibly greatest responsibility in this life, and that's relating to our families. As he looked, as he said to his mother, woman, behold thy son, and as he said to John, behold thy mother. His concern was for the care of his mother after he left this world. And of course, we have that great responsibility of care and to know that that same care that Jesus had for her then is the same care that he still has for each of us today. And of course, it was only after this that we see his concern for, for others, for, uh, for, the, uh, for the sinner, for the saint, and of course, for, uh, for his own family, that we see then that the thoughts turn to himself. And the first statement that concerned himself, uh, we see concerned the atonement. It related to his forsakenness as he hung there on the cross when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ was alone when he took our sins, when he became sin for us. I don't think we can even begin to comprehend what it was like for him to be separated from God the Father during that time. And of course then we saw last week that it really concerned his humanity uh, relating to the flesh when uh, he hung there and after he saw that all things were accomplished that needed to be accomplished. After he had done everything that needed to be done for us, after that we see that he spoke those words showing his humanity when he said, I thirst. And of course, it's quite astounding when we really begin to try to grasp what Jesus had been through leading up to the cross, the way that he had been beaten, the pain that he'd been put through, the physical, uh, literally, beating of his body and then of the being nailed to that cross. And yet, the first thing that he mentions that even concerns the flesh and, and, and his, his own uh, agony when he was hanging there was when he said, I thirst. And we talked about that matter last week. And I want you to notice now in verse 30 of our reading the sixth statement that Jesus makes from the cross. And as we look at this sixth statement, 
we see that this actually concerns his accomplishments. It relates to what we often refer to as the finished work of Calvary. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. It is finished. I think that it's interesting as we look at many things in the Scripture, and we never want to read more into things that are there, but time and time and time again, the number seven is the number of completeness for God. And of course, as Jesus hung there on the cross that day, we find that he really speaks two statements here almost completely at the same time. He utters these three words, it is finished. Then here in John, it says he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Luke records the words that as he gave up the ghost, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. We find that Jesus and him own self, this was quite a unique claim when he hung there and said it is finished when we stop and realize just what it was that he was talking about. Jesus wasn't just saying it's all over. I'm glad this is done. I'm glad this is out of the way. Many times, sometimes people think that this was a, a cry of weakness, a sigh of relief that it was all finished and, and done with. But we find that as we compare the Gospels, that the Gospels tell us that this was a cry that was uttered with, with a loud voice. It was words that were uttered like a conqueror, not one that had been conquered, not one that had been defeated. He shouted those words, it is finished. We find that, that great term down through the centuries, even with our forefathers that went before us, the finished work of Christ. Because it meant that God had been propitiated in every way that he needed to. It meant that Jesus Christ had accomplished everything that he came to do. There may have been part of a sigh of relief in there, but not because that he was glad that it was over. I'm sure that his humanness, as we just saw when he said that I thirst before this, it felt the pain, but more of a sigh of relief that he had accomplished what he came to this earth to accomplish. It was a shout of victory. It was while simultaneously a, a message to the Father, but a proclamation to each and every one of us, everything that he came to accomplish was completed. The work of atonement was done. There was nothing that needed to still be done to pay for our sins. You see, it is finished. We look back. We saw that even when they were gambling and casting lots to see who was going to, to get his garment and whatnot. If the Bible tells us that they were doing all this, but at the same time they didn't realize, but it was being done because that's the way God had planned it. God had already prophesied by gone years that this was what was going to be. As we look at the long list of prophecies of the Old Testament, when Jesus said, it is finished. He was saying that everything the Father planned 
it's accomplished. It's done. It's not just, boy, I'm glad this is over. He's saying that all those shadows that we look back and we see all those things that for years that those that were looking to God would, would go through these sacrifices and year after year after year after year. But he was saying, hey, all those shadows of that which was coming has taken place here now. Everything that was symbolic as they brought those sacrifices into the tabernacle, into the temple, now it's all finished. The work which the Father had planned before the foundation of the world, it's done. The matchless, perfect life that I came to live because there was nobody else that had lived it or that could live it. Therefore, there was no other suitable sacrifice except Jesus. Jesus was saying, it's finished. I lived the life for you that you could not live for yourself. He was saying, I came to redeem you back, to redeem you back from your sins. And the plan of redemption is finished, is completeness. I came to reconcile you because sin had separated you from God the Father. Sin has separated you from God in that sin always does that. But he says, the work of reconciliation is finished. I've done everything that the Father needs in order for you to have that relationship with him once again. It is finished. Jesus left nothing undone. Jesus was, if you were, he was saying, Father, I have finished everything that you and I planned. I have finished everything that we knew would fulfill the requirements. We've heard the song sung this evening. We hear about the, the deep, deep love of Jesus Christ and how much that God loved us. Jesus was saying as he hung there, it's finished for you. I've done everything. That's why that we use these terms like the finished work of Christ, the finished work of Calvary, because Jesus accomplished it all. It is finished, Lord. I've done everything that I came to do in this human body. Now, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. On the seventh day of creation, God rested. Seventh statement from the cross, Jesus had found his rest. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. After the work was finished, the sixth statement he had finished, the work was accomplished. All that was left to do was to commend himself into the Father's hand. Father, we knew that all of us as God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we planned this thing. This was my part. This was what I had to do. I was the one to come in the flesh, to live the life they couldn't live, to become sin for them, to pay for their sins so that they could be redeemed and reconciled to you. Father, I finished my part. I've done all that I can do. Now, I trust you, Father. I trust you to accomplish your work. I trust the one that I'm going to send in my place, the Holy Spirit, to do this work in their lives. 
Father, I've laid down my life. I'm now just trusting it all back to you into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Very important words. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. There are those, and I touched on this in recent past, there are those that say at this point in time that Jesus went into hell, that he was at the hands of Satan as he suffered for us there. And folks, that's just, that's just false teaching. It's false misunderstanding of the word of God. He committed himself into the Father's hands. He was in the Father's hands. He went to hell. He went to Hades, but he didn't go there at the hand of Satan. He went there as a victor to set those captives free. I finished the work that all of those Old Testament saints have been looking forward to, that they've been looking for, that they put their faith in. The same faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ is the only thing that has ever saved any soul, Old Testament, New Testament, past, present, future. There is no other way of salvation. Jesus said, Lord, I finished the work that needs to be done. Now I commend myself. I commend my spirit into your hands. The Bible does teach us that before he ascended on high, he descended first into the lower parts. And he did go there as a victor to set all those captives free. I finished the work that they had the faith to look forward to, to know that you, God, were going to accomplish this for them in the future. I finished it, Lord. Now I can commend myself, my spirit into your hands. And he could go there. And he could set those captives Free. He was never a captive of Satan. He was never at the mercy of Satan. He was there to set them free from Satan. He says he gave up the ghost. He dismissed his own spirit. It was an act of God. It was an act of deity. Nobody took his life from him. He laid it down willingly of himself. In the book of Acts, chapter 7, and in verse 59, the Bible says, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, what's the next words in your Bible? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You see, there's one big, big difference there. <laughs> they both were commending their spirits. Jesus on the cross was commending his spirit into the Father's hands Stephen, as he was being stoned to death after the finished work of Jesus Christ, he was commending his spirit into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ himself because then Jesus Christ was back there at the right hand of the Father. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, the apostle Paul writing to young Timothy said, For the which cause I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom... I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Jesus commended his spirit back to the Father. Paul said, I know, I know whom I've believed in, and I know that the one that I've commended my life to, I know that he's going to be there. I am persuaded that he is able 
to keep everything that I've committed to him against that day, against that day when the Lord would return. In the gospel of John chapter 10, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ are recorded and beginning in verse 15, Jesus said, as the father knoweth me, even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. There was the Jewish fold. There was the Gentile fold. He was laying down his life for the Jewish fold, but he was also laying down his life for the others, for the Gentile fold, for you and I. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. That I, Jesus, I lay down my life. I commend my spirit. I'm the one that gives up the ghost. Nobody's taking my life from me. I'm laying it down of my own will and I will take it up again. He said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus knew in his dying words when he finally his finished, had turned from all the others that he'd finished, everything that needed to be accomplished for everybody else, he then turned to himself. He shows us his humanity. Then he breathes this victorious cry. It is finished. The work on Calvary, it is finished. I've done it. You can't work for it. You can't do anything else for it. I finished it. Now, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now, Father, we talked, we saw this morning that glory they had known of the Father before the world was. Father, I've left my home in glory. I've come here. I've finished everything that needed to be accomplished. Now, Lord, I'm commending myself back to you, my spirit back to you. F.B. Meyer says this concerning this passage of Scripture. He says, so ended that marvelous scene. The expectation of all the ages was more than realized. If it be true that on that day a tidal wave of immense volume swept around the world and rose high up in all rivers and estuaries, this may be taken as an emblem of the much more abounding grace which on that day rose high above the mighty obstacles of human sin and is destined to lift the entire universe nearer God. By it, God will reconcile all things to himself, whether in heaven or on earth, by what? By the finished work of Calvary. By that which Jesus is proclaiming to us is finished. Folks, I know that we're tempted a lot of times to add to the work, to try to somehow do something ourselves. It feels more natural. But we need to realize and comprehend and understand Jesus accomplished Everything for your salvation, for my salvation, for our family's salvation, for every human being that would come. What was it that John later wrote in 1 John when he said that he's a propitiation 
not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus said, it's finished. Now, Lord, I finished the work that I came to do. Now, Lord, I commend myself back to you. That's why that not long afterwards when Stephen, the first recorded martyr following the Lord Jesus Christ, when he commended his spirit into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord's last words on Calvary, they were always others first and then himself. Everything that he went through, he did it for us. He did it for you. The work was completed there. Jesus did his part. He did everything that he was sent to do. He did everything that was in the plan of God from eternity past for our salvation. God did his part. He not only sent his only son, he gave him back his life that he might conquer death, hell, and the grave for you. Yes, that day he did conquer death. He did conquer hell. He did set those captives free, but he did it not just for them. He did it for you and I today. And right now, Jesus, his work was accomplished and finished on Calvary that needed to be done for our salvation. That work that continues today through the Holy Spirit is simply convincing men, convicting men that they might see what has been done for them, their need for a Savior, and that everything was done that needed to be done. It was the Holy Spirit. That's why that as those two thieves hung there on either side, why was one convinced and the other wasn't? The same reason, the same reason that we can sit in services just like this and preach the same gospel, and that one one, on the one hand, can, can, literally, can literally be convicted of their sins and know their needs while another sitting right beside them will reject it or turn it away. You see, every one of you here this evening, Jesus said, it is finished. I know without a shadow of a doubt that God called me one day to preach the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not because it's me, it's because of the message from this book that if you're here this evening, and if you've never accepted or received that message, I want you to realize and understand this evening, God has done everything. Jesus Christ, after everything that was accomplished that needed to be accomplished, he let us see his humanity. He spoke that triumphant cry, it's finished. It's finished for you. It's finished for you right here this evening if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That same Jesus is the same Jesus that will save you right now if you'll put your faith and confidence in his completed work. You can't do it. You can't be religious enough. You can't accomplish anything. There's nothing more you can do. You either accept and receive what Jesus Christ did or you reject it. There is no other way. There aren't many paths. There aren't many roads. We might like to think that there is. If there had been any other road, why do you think that Jesus would have had to suffered and been humiliated and died on that cross in your place if there was anything else that would give you that relationship with God? There is nothing else. It's Jesus alone. He finished that work for you. Your part 
belief, to accept it, to realize that you can't do it, but that Jesus has done it all. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. You first of all got to realize that you can do nothing, that you're hopeless, that you're helpless. That's hard to admit sometimes, but that Jesus did it all for you. You've got to depend on his work, not yours. You've got to believe and accept him for who he was, what he did for you. You see, it's by God's wonderful grace that you can be saved. It's by God's grace that any of us are saved. By grace are you saved through faith. There is no other means of salvation. God will give you that gift that you do not deserve because he wants you to have a relationship. He created you from nothing. He doesn't want you to be destroyed and separated from him for eternity with that one called Satan. He wants you with him. He died so that you could live. He's offered you the gift of life. You can either accept it or you can say, no, thank you, God. I'll do this myself. I'll do this another way rather than accepting that Jesus finished it for you. What a glorious thought. Christians, that ought to make Baptocostals out of us. Amen. We stop and think what Jesus Christ did for us. It ought to fill our hearts with joy. It ought to put a little spring in our step. It ought to put a little shout in our voice as he shouted from the cross, it is finished. We ought to be shouting, thank God. He finished it for me. He finished it for these around that I care about that need to be saved. Father, I thank you this evening that, Lord, as we look at these statements, we realize in these simple words, it is finished. <laughs> they say so much. Jesus Christ came for the sole purpose, Lord, to be able to come and to die the death that he died that we see recorded here, Jesus came to die that death for us. The plan was laid. He would come and live the life that we could not live. He would sacrifice himself in our place. And, Lord, he did that. And he declared that it was finished. And I pray this evening because, Lord, there are those under the sound of my voice, either here in this building or Maybe sometime later over the airways, Lord, I pray. I pray that you would speak to their heart as only you can because it's not this preacher's voice they need to hear. They need to hear the voice of God. They need to hear your words in their hearts. They need to hear the voice of Jesus as he shouts, it is finished. It is finished for you. It is finished all that needs to be for your salvation that you might live forever and eternity. Lord, I pray that they would have the faith to believe and accept the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray this evening as believers that you would help us, Lord, to rejoice evermore, to rejoice always, to thank God for that wonderful gift that we have. Thank God that he did finish it. Thank God that he did accomplish all that needed to be accomplished because, Lord, had he not, we would, be, we would be a hopeless and a helpless people. But he did, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.